You're listening to the Long Overdue Podcast. Here today with Pat and Denise. Say hi, Pat. Hey, Denise. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the Same Page Book Festival, which is coming up on September 30th. It'll be from 1 to 5 p.m. here at the library. And we have some fascinating authors lined up to be part of the the afternoon, Um, starting with Charlotte Canyon, who will be our opening speaker. She's a local author who has just published a book entitled, You Have to Laugh to Keep from Crying, How to Parent Your Parents, and she'll be sharing her story. And then... Our closing speaker will be local favorite, Julia Heberlin. We do love Julia Heberlin. Mm -hmm. And by local favorite, we mean that she is from Decatur, Texas and grew up here in our little town. Uh, She frequented the library much when she was a child all the way up to adulthood from my understanding. Wrote some thrillers. You want to give us a little synopsis of that, Denise? Playing Dead was loosely inspired one day when Julia Heberlin opened up a handwritten letter from a stranger. The woman, hundreds of miles away, was hopeful that Julia would be her real daughter, who she claimed was kidnapped years ago as a child. It was a shot in the dark based on a first name and a, and a birth date. Mm. Julia wasn't, but that brief, stunned feeling stuck in her imagination for a long time. The result is Playing Dead, a completely fictional book about a deeply rooted Texas girl with a similar letter in her hands. She finds herself linked to a bloody past, the slaughter of a family in Chicago, the murder of an Oklahoma beauty queen, and the kidnapping of a little girl named Adriana. With everything she has ever believed in question and a stalker determined to stop her, Tommy must discover the truth about herself, her family's secrets, and the girl who vanished. The critics over the years have had several great things to say about playing dead. Um, Carla Buckley, author of Invisible, says, Julia Heberlin's voice is pitch perfect, and her story of one woman's fierce struggle to reconcile her past with her present is gripping and powerful. Playing dead is an outstanding debut. And others have said they couldn't put it down. It's a sure bet. Gripping, thrilling. Lie Still is set in the wild landscape of Texas, only this time the protagonist is a New Yorker, and the wild landscape is a wealthy small town near Dallas. When Emily Page arrives in Claremont, pregnant and hopeful, she is ready to leave her haunting past behind. Instead, she is almost immediately swept up into a club of crazy Texas women who (laughs) carve potatoes into Russian dictators for their children's (laughs) private school homework and their secrets into each other's conniving hearts. When one of the women disappears, Emily's past and present explode on this small dot on the map. Haunting and entertaining, Lie Still peers into both the southern suburban jungle and one of the most secretive and misunderstood crimes against women. So that kind of sounds like Texas Woman Fight Club. That's um, what that sounds you know, like to me. <laughs> I, 
I am rereading Lie Still, and that is exactly what is going on. Um, I love what Lisa Brockman, had, author of Getaway, had to say about this book. Mix a pregnant New Yorker with a big secret, an aging Southern belle who collects secrets like recipes, an ex-pageant queen, several plastic surgery victims, and yes, she means victims, and a maid with an eye for revenge set it in an upscale Texas community and loving with just the right amount of humor. I thoroughly enjoyed the result of page-turning Texas Gothic. And if you are looking for something about secrets and how they can turn your life around, Lie Still is great. It is the one for you. And the third book that Julie Heberlin has um, published is Black-Eyed Susans. That's her most recent novel of suspense. Black Eyed Susans opens with the unforgettable voice of Tessie, a teenage girl found barely alive in a wildflower field with a scattering of bones, a fragmented memory, and the voices of dead girls in her head. Eighteen years later, a cutting-edge forensic scientist is trying to find clues to a serial killer in DNA extracted from old femurs and skulls. A death penalty attorney is trying to halt the Texas death train as it speeds towards a client he believes was wrongly convicted. A grown-up Tessie, now an artist and single mother, is still struggling to quiet the Susans who live in her head and find out the truth. All of these books are will be available on the day of the book festival. Julie will be here signing after the close of the festival. And she might get to tell us a little bit about her newest publication, Paper Ghosts is coming out in April of 2018. She's finishing edits on it right now. And we don't know how much she'll be able to tell us about Mm -hmm. it, but we're excited to know that she's still writing, she's working on it, and we'll have more Julie Heberlin to be reading soon. So I am super excited about having Julia here at the library again. She is, she's just such a cool lady. She is. She's fun. Yeah, she is. Charming. And the books she writes always bring up some kind of thought provoking something, even in the midst of all the, like you said, the Texas Fight Club Mm -hmm. with the women and the, 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 one of the books um, explores the, the issue of date rape. Another talks about the death penalty and the the Texas death row and kind of all the, that that entails. And in the midst of it, she's telling a fascinating story. And yet, when you talk to her, she's a regular person. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's probably one of the coolest ladies I've ever talked to. Just, mm-hmm. just to chat with or just to... Listen to her talk about growing up here in Decatur. and Right. It's just very interesting, and I'm looking forward to her mm-hmm. coming back to the library and sharing some more of her, her secrets with us. So in between Charlotte Canyon and Julie Heberlin, we have lots planned. Um, the same page of Book Festival got its name because we were looking for something that would appeal to both readers and writers, and we thought, you know, all of this is going to keep our readers and writers on the same page. That's where that title came from. Thanks, Chris. After we hear from Charlotte Canyon to open the afternoon, 
we will have two sessions going on simultaneously, one specifically for readers and one specifically for writers. Denise, you want to tell us a little bit about a couple of those authors who will be here talking to the readers in that early session? I think we have... So for that first session, we're going to have Marsha West, who writes suspense and romance. That's her thing. Yeah. From what I read, she writes romantic suspense. Yeah. Like it's both. It's both. And that's... That's very interesting to me. Marsha West is from Texas. She's a local author. She served on the Fort Worth School Board for eight years. Mm. Then she went on to teach high school theater and became an elementary school administrator. All before sitting down and deciding to, to write romantic suspense another of the authors that that on that panel will be alan barreca alan is a poet who has published four collections of his his poetry um he is actually a reference librarian at del mar college in corpus christi but his poetry he's been writing for a long time and he was recently named the Poet Laureate of Corpus Christi, Texas. Who even oh, wow. knew they had one? Well, it turns out they didn't have one until they named him that. <laughs> um, so Alan will be here. His upbringing in upstate New York and then moved to Texas are all part of what he talks about in his poetry. It's funny and irreverent and sometimes serious. So looking forward to a little bit of everything from Alan Barreca. Our other writer that will be there for the first panel is Weena Day Randall. And I'm actually very interested mm-hmm. to hear Weena speak. She was born and raised in China. English is her second language, and she came to the United States at the age of 24. She was an adjunct professor before she committed to writing fiction. And she writes historical novels about Empress Wu. China's only female emperor. She holds an MA in English from Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas, where she was inspired to write about Empress Wu. She currently lives in Flower Mound with her loving husband and two children. But yeah, I'm very interested in the historical Mm -hmm. fiction aspect of her work, and I am really interested in Empress Wu. Just should be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Should be fun. I think this will be a nice variety of authors. And um, in the in this session, um, they will all be reading a little bit from their work, as well as talking about their inspirations, their writing process, whatever they decide to talk about for when they're addressing the readers. We've got the session for authors going on opposite that. And our speaker for that is Alan Bourgeois president of the Texas Authors, Inc. And Alan is going to talk to our writers who come to the book festival about the writing process, about getting published, and about marketing. So he'll be kind of a one-man show talking about what you need to get your book published as well. That should be very interesting. Very fascinating indeed. I think he'll have a lot of really he'll 
based on what I've seen so far, I think he'll have a lot of interesting stories to tell about that. So good advice, lots of case studies, positive or negative. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'll be, I think he'll be a good speaker and Mm -hmm. I think we'll learn a lot from, Mm -hmm. from what he has to share with us about writing and publishing. Right. I think it's going to be a very good session for aspiring writers to go to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. After that, we should have our author's book fair and where all of the authors that will be participating in the panels and some that are going to come just to set up a booth and chat with attendees and sign and autograph some of their books and you can purchase them right there at the library. So after the author fair, we will have Again, a a session for readers and a session for writers. For writers, we will have that panel of authors from the first session to to talk about the the backstory of how they got published, how they got to that point where they decided this was the thing to do. So again, that's Marsha West, Wiener Randall, and Alan Barreca, who will be speaking to writers. And then readers will have the opportunity to hear from some Texas memoir folks. So, Denise, you want to tell us a little bit about Tweed Scott and Mike Howran? So, Tweed Scott is not a native Texan, as I have read in his biography Mm -hmm. here. But he has lived in Texas for a very long time and is very passionate about our state, <laughs> which I think we can give him a pass for not being a native Texan if he loves Texas as much as we do. Right. He is a retired broadcaster, and he broadcasted for 31 years before he became an author and a professional speaker. His book is called Texas in Her Own Words. What I've read about it, he has interviewed several people i think it was somewhere in the hundreds of native texans Mm. and he is convinced that native texans have an extra gene which he calls the t chromosome Hmm. i'm pretty sure he means that not literally (laughs) (laughs) because nowhere in his bio do i see scientist But his book sounds like it's just a creative nonfiction, humorous take on what makes Texans Texans. The book has won a couple of creative nonfiction awards and one for book design. So I'm actually very curious to see what this book looks like in in person and to be able to to look at it and hold it. Mike, Mike Haran. Now, Mike here has actually graduated from MIT. So what? He, I was like, I'm sure I saw scientists somewhere. And it was Mike. <laughs> <laughs> His book is called In- Entertaining Detours, and it chronicles one man's journey to over 30 different countries in five continents, including an 11-year stint in Hong Kong. So Mike studied electrical engineering and behavioral sciences at the Sloan School of Management at MIT. Over the next 30 years, 
He ran various successful small businesses and nonprofits while living in over 30 different countries on five different continents. And so in his book, he includes some very unique adventures, including a close encounter with a group of baboons, Mm. surviving near shipwrecks, killer typhoons, earthquakes, and ball lightning, and giving directions to a lost Chinese platoon. So all of these things will be found in his book, Entertaining Detours. Wow. Yeah. Sounds fascinating. I really want to know more about these, uh, this group of baboons. Right. I'm sure we'll hear some great stories from every aspect of that. Our third speaker for that second session of authors is Beth Honeycutt. Beth is an author, speaker, and facilitator of ceremonies. Beth is the director of the Calming Center, and it's a a way of learning to heal after loss. So that's that's what her kind of um, passion is. She's also a poet and author of short stories. She's traveled to Peru to examine their mythology and the the traditional religions of the area. She is one of those people who writes stories about life under the surface, I think. Um, She's recently published a book called Echoes in the Stars that incorporates Um, some of the native mythology from her travels in Peru. So, and it's a combination of poetry, short stories, folk literature, lots of, lots of different ways of looking at life. So we're excited to have Beth come share a little bit about her work. Yeah, Beth sounds fascinating. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing her speak and Will they read a little poetry to us? That'd mm-hmm. be cool. Mm-hmm. So we all come back together to hear Julie close the day, and um, Julie will be will be selling her books and then having her autograph them after her her talk. So we'll end the day with that. It sounds like a full afternoon of mm-hmm. authors and books and lots of stories that, that we'll come out come away with at the end of the day. Well, we have the author fair still set up for a few minutes after Julie is done. I think we will. Um, one so of the, the interesting things, I think, is the opportunity to hear an author speak and then know that absolutely you must have their book. So I want to make sure that those authors who speak in the second session get the chance to to sell their book and sign them for the people who didn't decide before they heard them that they needed their book, but decided after they heard them that they did. So we will have that available afterward. And today we have a special treat. We have Charlotte Canyon, who's here to talk about her passion. So she is here to discuss her passion for writing and for her passion for sharing her story. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're delighted to welcome Charlotte Canyon to our podcast. She is going to be our opening keynote speaker at the Same Page Book Festival coming up on September 30th. That's 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock 
open to the public, feel free to, to put that on your calendar. And Charlotte is here to talk to us about her passion and why she is so excited to be able to tell her story about writing. So, Charlotte, I'll turn it over to you. Well, thank you, Pat, for inviting me today. Um, I'd like to share with your listener, listeners why I have a mission in my life. My mom was my rock. My mom taught me everything I know. My, I am who my mom created. Mm-hmm. And when I had to be her caregiver, that put me on a whole new venture. But along my journey, my husband is an only child, and I had a father-in-law that lived with us, and he developed dementia. At the same time, mm. my mama was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, oh my and my dad was in the early stages of Parkinson's. Mm. Now, let me back this up <laughs> with the fact that I'm the only female, and oh, nine okay. out of ten caregivers are the female in the family. They're right. the daughter. The daughter takes care of the father. The daughter takes care of the mother. The daughter takes care of her spouse. In my story, I've had people that have read my story. And by the way, my book is called You Have to Laugh to Keep from Crying, How to Parent Your Parents. And this was a journey that God put me on well over 12 years ago. My father-in-law lived with us. And oh my gosh, he came to live with us when my husband's mother died, my mother-in-law. She was only 62 years young. That's Mm. very, very young nowadays. I love the new saying that 70 is the new 50 Mm because I am over 70. (laughs) (laughs) But she died very young. Mm -hmm. So Pop came to live with us, and that what we call my father-in-law was Pop. And, oh, my gosh, it was like having a butler in the house. I wasn't allowed to do dishes. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to vacuum. I still worked full-time, and so did Mm -hmm. my husband. So we had someone taking care of the house all the time. Now, this went on well for about five years, and then Mm. all of a sudden we started seeing things happen differently. Mm. We had neighbors who would call us, and they'd go, Charlotte, y'all need to take Pop's keys away. We had even his sisters say, don't let him drive down to South Texas. Pop can't drive anymore. Mm. Now, with that being said, I'm the daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. My my husband, who is the only child, when he looked at Pop, he looked at Superman. Right. He was a man who was veteran of foreign wars, who was able to leap tall buildings at a single mm-hmm. bound. I mean, Pop was everything, and my husband did not want to admit that Pop was losing part of his facilities, that he mm-hmm. was losing his mind. Uh, I would come into the house and I'd find Pop curled up in a chair where he, in a room he never goes in. Mm. And I'd kind of wake him up, and I'd go, Pop, can I help you? And he goes, I got sleepy, but I couldn't find my bedroom. Oh, no. So he couldn't find his bedroom in the house. The next thing, I guess, was finally the, um, I guess you would call it the straw that broke the camel's mm-hmm. back, was he came in one day, and he said, Charlotte, I need you to take me around the neighborhood. I've hit a mailbox. Now, I'm thinking, okay, let's, you know, I hope it was a mailbox. I mean, literally my mind Mm -hmm. was going, okay, what did Pop hit? So we went out to the driveway, and we took my car because I looked over at Pop's car, and his front right fender was totally 
mangled. Mm. I'm going, it had to be a brick mailbox if it Mm -hmm. was a mailbox that he hit. So we get in the car and we drive around the neighborhood and we drive around the neighborhood. So then we go to the next neighborhood, drive around the neighborhood. We can't find a mailbox that looks like it's been hit. We drive and we drive. We finally go out in the country a little bit. And Pop spotted a pole mailbox that was leaning slightly. Now, in his mind, Mm -hmm. this has to be the one that he hit because he had to find it. He was such a... You know, dedicated. He he knew he wanted to take care of what mm-hmm. he had destroyed, but he couldn't find it again. I'm not even sure if he had trouble finding his way home that day. So he said, "This is it." What I have learned is you don't argue with them. Right. It serves no purpose. Mm-hmm. So I went with the flow, and we drove down the driveway. Now this was like a two acre little ranch hat so we drove up to the house and pop said now i'll go up to the door and you know and tell them that i'll pay for their mailbox now i'm still sitting in the car going ain't no way that's the mailbox (laughs) but Mm -hmm. this is and i'm not going to say it's placating but it's working with the what you have to work with so pop walked over to the porch and i could see five steps going up to this big porch But the shrubs were so high, I couldn't see what was on the porch. I couldn't even see the front door. Mm -hmm. And I saw Pop starting to talk to someone. So I'm assuming someone's on the front porch, right? So he talks, and he talks. And about two minutes into his conversation with someone I couldn't see, his, his hands started to clench. And I could see his demeanor changing. Mm-hmm. And I knew his frustration signs. And I knew he was getting frustrated. So I thought, okay, now's the time I've got to step in. Mm-hmm. So I got out of the car and walked over to Pop. And I walked him up the five steps to the porch. And as I got to the top of the steps, I looked over. And it was a scarecrow that he was talking to. A very human-like scarecrow, Mm -hmm. but sitting on a bench. So that told me one thing at first. His eyes are not very good. Mm -hmm. So he shouldn't be driving. But he insisted on knocking the door. He talked to the lady. The lady said, oh, my gosh, I want a new mailbox. You know, don't pay for it. And what that did for him was it gave him a piece that he had tried to take care of Mm -hmm. what he had damaged. I knew we probably would never find out what he hit. Mm-hmm. And if it was a mailbox, it had to be a brick one, a very strong <laughs> brick one, mm-hmm. because, I mean, it totaled, totaled that front fender. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when I went home that evening, of course, we showed my husband the, the car, and we knew we had to get it fixed, and we sat down and kind of had a roundtable discussion that, you know, Pop, maybe we need to go to the doctor. And this was kind of, I think if my husband, this is what I was thinking in my head, I'm going, if my husband hears it from a doctor, Mm -hmm. then maybe, you know, he'll know we've got to take the keys away. And I want you to know that's the hardest thing in the world. Think about Mm -hmm. it. If you have teenage kids and they do something wrong, you can take their keys away and you can ground them. Right. But this was the person that raised you, that taught you to use a spoon, that helped you learn to walk. And you're taking his keys away or her Mm -hmm. keys away. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest thing we've ever done. And I want you to know that after we did take the keys away, 
he went downhill very, very fast. We tried to get him involved in, uh, he loved to dance, mm-hmm. so we took him to the community, you know, the senior center, and he would dance every Saturday night and all. But we had taken away his freedom. Right. And that's the hardest thing to think that we're taking away our freedom. Think about yourself. If you didn't have your car keys and couldn't jump at it and go when you wanted to go, it would be very hard. Mm-hmm. That's just the beginning of my passion. My father-in-law went on for about another year and a half, and okay. we buried him in December. Within four weeks, my mom was put in the hospital and diagnosed with acute kidney failure. Oh. I thought she was going to die, but then she, I think she was a cat with nine lives because mm. <laughs> she just kept bouncing back. Anyway, that was an opportunity for me to move her up near me, mm-hmm. and I knew she already had Alzheimer's. But with that being said, and I'm just giving you little tidbits right. of my book, my father was a Marine. Mm-hmm. That being said, anybody that's got a Marine for a father knows where this story's got to go. He was very strong. He was very strong-willed. He was a little bit of a chauvinist, so women were second to to men. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, he was not going to let them out of that house. But when Mom went to the hospital, that was my opportunity to move her close to me and take care okay. of her. But, you know, God has other plans. <laughs> Shortly, within a month, I had my father in my care. So I had my mother and my father, both that I had to move up. Mm -hmm. I had to clean out a 3,000-square-foot barn and a 2,500-square-foot house in three days. Because I had to get back to work. Oh, my goodness. I had a full-time job. I had taken enough days off to go take Mm -hmm. care of them in the hospital, to go do this, to Mm -hmm. go do that. You know, my passion is there. And what I'm trying to do with my book, like I said, it's called You Have to Laugh to Keep from Crying, How to Parent Your Parents. I'm trying to teach people how to to prepare, to not go down the avenue where they get real stressed, Mm -hmm. to not agonize about things. Mm -hmm. Because there's a, in the middle of my whole journey, I allowed stress and anxiety to cause cancer to develop in my body. So in the middle of my journey, I had two cancer surgeries and many treatments. Mm. But you know what? God never gives us more than we can bear. And my story, like I said, I could tell you many, many stories. And I look back at all of them, and I laugh, (laughs) and I try to hide the positive thing in them. My dad and I were never very close because of some of the bad things he'd done in his mm-hmm. life. But the 18 months, the 18 last months of his life, we became closer than we'd ever been in my whole life. And my dad told me he loved me more in those 18 months than he had my whole mm-hmm. life. And then he gave me my mom that I could take care of like she took care of me. My mom's the one that lived the longest. She lived after Pop was gone. My dad lived another several years after he'd gone into the nursing home. Mm -hmm. My mom lived seven more years, and I think it was because I kept her close to me. Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's usually lasts only 18 months once it reaches a certain point. Mm -hmm. My brother lives in Alaska, 3,500 miles away. Right. He was no help. Mm -hmm. 
um, I mean, he would call and say, how are things going? <laughs> right. I'll send you money. But that's not what you need. Mm-hmm. What you need is moral support. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to teach caregivers how to take care of themselves, to take time for themselves. Mm-hmm. If a neighbor offers to go to the nursing home for you, let them. If a neighbor mm-hmm. offers to bring you a meal, let them. Because you are the caregiver is doing so much. They need to take care of themselves because if they're down, Who's going to take care of the parent? Right. Um, some of the things that I've learned is I play games with my mom. So I'm actually trying to teach adult children how to play with their senior parents mm-hmm. again. Play with them. Play games, whether it's solitaire or old maid cards or dominoes. Or if your dad was a builder, mm-hmm. I advise people to go get you know, Legos or get building blocks and tap into their passion. My mom was a seamstress. Mm -hmm. I actually created a busy board with zippers and buttons and little plastic needles and stuff Mm -hmm. so she could still sew. And I even put our names on ribbons so she would be reading the names as she Mm -hmm. goes along. My mom was an accountant. I took flashcards just like a first grader, mm-hmm. and she would love. She'd go, two plus two, that's four. And then I'd show her colors. Oh, my gosh. Every time I showed her the color green, mm-hmm. she would go, you remember that trip we took to see Grandma? <laughs> and see, you, you, were, you were about nine years old, and Billy, Billy was, what, three? And we drove all the way to Grandma's 11 hours in a 54 Ford and we drove 11 hours to Grandma's house and went to visit. She would tell me that story over mm-hmm. and over and over every time I flashed the color green. But you know what? My mom passed away over a year ago. Mm-hmm. I would give anything in the world for her to tell me that story again. Mm-hmm. My passion is to help people create memories that are cherished, create memories that will go with them for the rest of their lives. Because if they don't heal and forgive whatever mm-hmm. they've done, whatever their parents have done. It it doesn't matter. They need to heal, and they need to forgive. I have four golden rules, and they are love. You have to love unconditionally. You have to respect. We have to respect our parents because mm-hmm. we wouldn't be here without them. Right. And we have to have patience. Oh, my gosh. We have to have patience with them. But we have to have patience with ourselves Mm -hmm. because thoughts are going to go through our heads that we really don't want to go through our heads. We're going to go, why, God, why am I in this situation? But I promise you at the end of the road, if you can create those cherished, cherished memories, Mm -hmm. then you will live the rest of your life at peace. That's what I feel like is I have a peace in my heart because I didn't leave Mm -hmm. a stone unturned. I took mom on trips. I spent times at the nursing home, and we'd go on those trips again in our in our in our minds. Right. So you know that kind of gives uh, you an idea of where my passion is mm-hmm. and where my love is. And like I say, God may throw you a twist because my dad and I were not very close, but right. we became close. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for sharing their, your story and the reason behind writing your book. And we look forward to having you at our book festival, the St. Page Book Festival, on September 30th. And you'll get to hear more from Charlotte on that day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Pat. 
So once again, we hope we'll see you at the same page book festival here at Decatur Public Library. We are on the corner of Highway 51 and Thompson Street in beautiful Decatur, Texas. Our book festival is set for Saturday, September 30th, 1 to 5 p.m. Hope to see you there. Join us next week for another episode of the Long Overdue Podcast. <laughs>